Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show It's gonna be jam packed today Y'all I'm happy to be here I'm excited I'm all I was, I was waiting for this Right right after the game on Sunday I wanted to set up the mic and record But I said no 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 Give yourself some time Some time to heal <laughs> Time to process Listen I'm here to show the sports world, sports fans, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. You don't have to run from it. don't have to hide from it. Don't have to act like, oh, I wasn't wrong. What happened? What? No, 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 no. It's okay. Be wrong. Listen, we're all about growth, right? We grow every day as people, as sports fans, all right? So I'm here, listen, I'm here to acknowledge where I was wrong. Okay. What I did learn this weekend, though, most importantly, was sports gods in the universe hate when I predict blowouts. Two times this year, the two most important games, the Super Bowl and the game, Ohio State versus Michigan, I called for a blowout. I said, I predict a blowout, slaughter in the water. And uh, both times, uh, egg on my face. But we'll get into it. Let's intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber Family. Thanks for joining me again. If this is your first time, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. Wally! No! <laughs> no! Wally! We back. <laughs> Little, listen, little technical difficulties there, all right? <laughs> anyway, listen, man, uh, whew, got a jam-packed show today. Uh, like I said last week, I do have my top 10 receivers in the NFL draft this year. As now that the Super Bowl is over, the NFL season has officially come to an end. And it's time to start the offseason. My favorite my favorite time of football season, oddly enough. I love the offseason. Love it. Can't get enough of it. Can't wait for the combine. Be glued to it. So listen, these are my 10 receiver rankings that I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my top 10. No particular order except for number one. Outside of number one, take your pick, right? But I also have some honorable mentions, some guys I really, really like. But I just feel like they're not the 10 best. You know what I mean? But this is all happening pre-combine, so there's going to be some guys here that I really like, but they might test really horrible, and then you got to maybe reconsider what you saw in the tape. But for now, this is it. This is where we stand right now. I'm going to give you that. I'm also going to do a a live, real-time mock draft. Uh, my first as the GM of the Dallas Cowboys, as promised, I will be acting as the GM of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'll let you know my offseason game plan, what I'm looking to do for the team, and then run the draft. That's right. Seven rounds. Let you know if there's any trades, whatever. We're going to go through the whole thing. We're going to do that. We're going to start with the Cowboys. If that works out, if it provides good entertainment, I'm going to move on to another team and we'll do one team every week. Huh? We'll do it that way. Maybe two teams. Maybe I'll put an extra show out every week with just just mock drafts. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But listen, you know we got to start with the quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hitters. So this weekend, uh, I saw um, the, the the Warriors and Lakers played on Saturday night, right? And again, I told you I haven't really been that deep in the basketball, right, this year. I've kind of been focusing so much on the NFL, but now that, you know, NFL is over pretty much, you know, you had the Super Bowl the next day, but that night was like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and just turn on the game, and I ended up watching the second half of that game. And there's one thing I realized, that I, I, I thought this before, but in this game, it really, to me, it just made me feel like I, it's criminal at this point. I'm going to say something. And you can disagree. And you can, your first reaction, I promise you, is going to be disagreement. But then think about it for a second. Clay Thompson is every bit as good a shooter as Steph Curry. Every bit as good. And in fact, I would guarantee you, if you're just talking about shoot-arounds, 
he probably shoots better than Curry. Or if they had a shootout, he probably beats Curry. Right? He's every bit as good as Steph Curry as a shooter. But for whatever reason, does not get appreciated as such. They talk about Steph Curry as the greatest shooter of all time. It's not even close. Like, yo, in since the Warriors dynasty, anytime they needed a big play, big game, big shot, it's been Thompson. Like, Steph Curry's been remarkably uninterested in taking the biggest of shots or the the game-saving shots. Like, you have way more history of Klay Thompson taking those big shots. I'm just not understanding why Klay Thompson doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as being one of the greatest shooters of all time. He gets, like, credit as being a great shooter, but, like, Curry is, like, always placed way above high on this pedestal as if he's way above everybody else. And I'm saying Klay Thompson's just as good. I'll say that. The second thing I got from the same game was uh, I am sick and tired of the sports media over-praising the overachieving role player. So this time, this guy, Austin Reeves, right, on the Lakers, solid basketball player. Just a downright, right across the board, <laughs> solid basketball player. Not great. Not a guy you want to build your def- your team around. Not a guy who's going to take over the franchise and give him the max. But just a solid player. And because he's just a solid player, and because he's not going to get many opportunities, when he does get an opportunity, oh, he goes all out. He played that game Saturday as if it was game seven of the NBA Finals. He gave everything he had. Now, guys who play all the time, they understand hey, this is a random regular season game on a Saturday night before the All-Star break. Like, it's not that important. But this guy, Austin Reeves, he's a role player. This is game seven. And so he plays well. He has a good game. And all throughout the telecast, they're talking about how how great he is. This guy's really, this guy's a really good basketball player. It's unbelievable play. And it's like, oh, here we go. This is going to be the new poster child. Hey, do you remember in the finals? I believe it was 2015 when Matthew Dellavedova all of a sudden became like the guy because he had a good, he played well in the finals. Not great. He was, he played, he played good, but he was an overachiever. And then they try to say going forward, like, oh, you got to, got to retain this guy. And then he moved on and it was like, I kind of didn't hear from him anymore. But for that moment, he was the it guy. I'm so sick and tired of them doing that. Can we just acknowledge that this guy is just playing harder than everybody else? Because for him, this is everything. For these other guys, like, we just trying to get through and not get hurt right now. Like, we not, you know. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. Like, it's a good story. Like, whatever. But overhyping it is bad. Don't do that. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? When it's like a guy, and look, you don't want to say it, but it's usually the white guy. <laughs> it's usually the undrafted white guy who might be a little undersized, or he wasn't drafted, or he was a four-year player in college, and he was a solid basketball player, but he just didn't have the athletic ability. He didn't wow him in the combine, so he went undrafted. There's a reason why he went undrafted, okay? This guy, Austin Reeves, wasn't drafted. There's a reason. Right? He's playing on the Lakers and he's you know, you put him in the game, he plays hard. He plays hard. He plays basketball the right way. Give him credit. He's a solid basketball player. He's a good guy to have on the team. He's gonna play hard. You know he practices hard. You know he prepares. You know he puts everything into it. Good, great teammate. If he has a good game, don't overhype it. That's all I'm saying. Cause you're gonna you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna end up making him remember Taylor Horton Tucker? That's the guy's name. He's on the Lakers now, right? Remember last year when he came? Actually, remember in the bubble when he came in and he was a scoring machine? Whoa, had a couple good games. And it was like, this guy, you got to retain him, right? And they kept him. The team's still garbage. What happened to him? Now, you know, nobody even wants to trade for him. They're like, I keep that guy. We're fine without him. He's okay. Why? 
because it was his opportunity to shine, and he gave it everything he had. He played the absolute best he could, whereas the other guys, you know this, these NBA players, they turn it on, they turn it off. Certain games in the regular season, they give a little more than others. That's all I'm saying. Just less perspective, people. The third thing that came out of that same game is it hit me what I, why I don't like LeBron James. Right? This is not hater talk. This is not hater segment. But here's what happens. So it was a big hoopla because LeBron James became the all-time leading scorer in the NBA in the regular season and postseason. And they made sure to stress, if you combine regular season and postseason, he's got the most points all time. Now, for me, that immediately hit me funny. It immediately hit me as, that's a weird way of saying that. Oh, it's almost like a qualifier. Right? Like, he's not the all-time leading scorer in just points in general. But, like, if you add these little qualifiers, then it's like, blah, blah, blah. Now, there you go. There's your, give him credit. That's when it hit me what I don't like about LeBron James. LeBron James, first of all, I will acknowledge I'm the grumpy old man. In this scenario, I am the grumpy old man who's upset at the younger generation because everything's easier for them. Everything is catered to them. And we are supposed, and everything is more like, oh, we, it it shouldn't, you, you shouldn't have it hard. It shouldn't be difficult for you. We should do everything we can as parents and as elders to make it to make sure that you guys don't have to struggle right and lebron james happens to be the poster child of that generation that is growing up that for the older people feel like have it easy right it's like the it's like i would say i'm like the first generation uh i'm 34 right i'm gonna be turning 35 in april so I'm like, I feel like I'm right on that cusp of like my parents grew up at a time where it was still difficult, where your parents still like let you know, said things like life's not fair. Like you're like, oh, it's not fair. Life's not fair. We're talking back. Nah. We're, hey, Ma, can you explain why you're telling me to do something? No, I'm not explaining anything to you. I'm the parent. You're the child. Deal with it. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. Now, our parents were from that era, so that's how they raised us, right? Physical punishment, that, you know, that was a thing. You would, mom tells you not to play with the matches. You, she come home and you burning stuff in the backyard. Yeah, drop them to the ankles. <laughs> right? That's the era that we came from. Now, me, now that I have children, I am like the first one, like, I can't. It's not okay to raise your kids that way. So we kind of incorporate some of the uh, try to get your kids. You have to instill in your kids some level of mental toughness. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind their mental health and what they're going through and, 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 and try to mold them psychologically to be healthy in that end as well. Right. Whereas when we were kids, nobody cared about your mental health. We didn't care about your feelings. I am your parent. Do as I say. If you don't, there's consequences. That's it. Right? There was rules. There was structure. Now it's more or less like, I don't want to say like kids run things, but like my mom will listen to me have a conversation with my daughter. Like I'll ask her to do something and she'll say why. And immediately my mom's triggered. Whereas me, I'm like, no, I, she don't mean it in a disrespectful way. She just wants understanding. And I'm one of the people like, I want you to understand why I'm telling you to do something so that I don't have to t- I don't have to ask you to do it next time. You'll automatically do it because you understand why it's important to do it and you don't need anybody to tell you you get it, right? That's my philosophy. So that's I, I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. But the point is, is that LeBron James is the poster child for though for that generation. The generation beneath me which feels like we're going to we're going to disregard how much easier the how much softer the game has become. Right? How catered to the stars the game has become. Like, it's hard to explain. But it's kind of like, you can't criticize LeBron or else you're just a hater. 
It's like you have to acknowledge he's the GOAT or he's the greatest of all time or he's the greatest of this generation or you're just a hater and we're going to disregard you. You're just hating. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm just being objective. Like, I'm not an old head. I'm not living in the past. But I'm just saying, if you have the clear path, right? Like, if you have a clear path, when you make it to the finish line, I can't praise you as if you went through hell and back. When we can all acknowledge you had a clear path. The lane was open for you. When you struggle, when you fail, it's not wrong to point out that you struggle to fail. For example, to end that game, LeBron James, three free throws to tie the game and send it in overtime, you choked. You bricked the first one. You choked outright. I don't care which way you slice it, fan, not fan, hater, not a hater, he choked. Now you can say, ah, that don't count as choke. That's not a big deal. Sure, fine. If you want to say that, if you want to qualify and say it doesn't count as choking, he choked. You were on the line. The game was on the line. You had to make three free throws. You break the very first one. You choked. But we we can't talk about that. I couldn't come on the show and talk about how meaningful that was. Right? Because then I'd be looked at as, oh, you just hating. Like, seriously, that's what you're going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, whatever. The same way that this team was constructed... And everyone has been saying nonstop that these are the guys that LeBron wanted. LeBron got the guys he wanted on the team. The Lakers had a trade where they could have got Buddy Heald, who fit perfectly for them and would have been exactly what they need. And he said, no, get me Westbrook. Now that Westbrook's not working out for them and things aren't fitting together, it's all of a sudden like where no one's going to blame LeBron for this. Like, no, we're, we're going to acknowledge all the flaws with the team and not acknowledge that the person who put this team together, who used his power of influence to influence the, the management to get this roster together, now that the roster is garbage, he deserves blame. And if you're not going to blame him for it, then don't credit him for it either. Because you can't have the glory and not take the heat. And that's the problem. LeBron fans want to praise his name. But when it comes time to place blame, they always want to put it on somebody else. And that's what I've always said. If you're going to tell me LeBron makes everybody better than when the team sucks, he needs to get, how come he can't make them better now? Oh, he can make Dwayne Wade better. He can make Chris Bosh better. He can make Mike Miller shoot threes better. He can make Ray Allen better. Okay, but can he make Taylor Horton Tucker? Is that? I hope that's his name. <laughs> if I'm just saying a random name, my apologies to you, bro. But that's what it is. It's no issue against LeBron. It's just the way that it's portrayed. It's the way the fans treat him. And it's that he happens to be in the era where these people need a godlike figure. They need their Jordan. And he was exalted to that. And they praise his name. And if, if you dare criticize him, you're the hater. Something's wrong with you. And every time I see him, it just reminds me of somebody looking at me saying, you're a hater. Because I, I think Jordan's better. Whatever. <laughs> the next thing is, look, the 76ers finally pulled the trigger on a deal for Ben Simmons. And I was saying, who wants Ben Simmons? And oddly enough, I was also saying, who wants James Harden? And come to find out, those two teams swapped. And even more odd, and even a crazier twist of fate, I think... The Nets won the trade by a mile. Because, look, it's all about fit. Listen, James Harden is, was, and always will be toxic to your roster. Toxic. Like, I'm sorry. The guy had a great role. Right? A great role. An OKC. They had a team that was set up to do great things. He was coming off the bench, six man, still playing like 30 plus minutes. Like, it wasn't like he was getting 10 minutes a game. He was playing big minutes. And in important moments of the game down the stretch, he was playing. He wanted more. No problem. You want more money. You want a bigger role. You want more responsibility. No problem. 
Totally understand that as a player. So you go ahead, you get out of there, you go over to Houston, right? Great. You're running the show, doing your thing. Oh, but you fail multiple times in the playoffs. Not your team failed to win. That's not the problem. The problem is your team failed to win and you sucked too. You shot 2 of 12 from 3 in a pivotal game of a series. Kept chucking them up though. You disappeared in a game and lost by 30 to the Spurs who didn't even have Kawhi Leonard. That was you. You failed over and over. You didn't show up big. You put up all your regular season numbers. I'm averaging 36 points a game. Uh, 34, 10, and 10. Uh. Like, okay, he's going to get numbers. But at the expense of team chemistry, at the expense of a flow. There's no flow. You, If you watched Houston, it was literally James Harden, dribble, 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 drive, foul call, two free throws, do it again. Dribble, 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 step back three. Hit it. Okay, cool. Go back again. And that was the offense. Every once in a while, he'd pass it to somebody, they'd hit an open three. Okay. You wasn't going nowhere in Houston. So now all of a sudden, he gets mad. So he starts throwing a hissy fit. I want out. I want to trade. Gives him a list of names he wants to go to. They trade him to Brooklyn. Great. He's in Brooklyn, what, a year? And then decides, I want out. Like, wh- what? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want out. I don't want to be here no more. So not only does he want to get out, but what he does when he wants to leave is stops playing his hard, starts getting out of shape, starts stops taking care of himself. Like You could just tell he's just not interested. He pouts. Yeah, he's in a mood, and everybody else could see it. It's a bad look, man. So then you have to move him. And then reports come out that him it was a it was an offensive philosophy difference. Like Kevin Durant wanted a more free flowing offense with ball movement, kind of similar to Golden State, because that's an effective way to play basketball, obviously. And James Harden wanted more ISO. That's a philosophical difference. Steve Nash didn't want to run ISO. He was a guy that ran and, like, you know what I mean? He wants to have a free-flowing offense. So then James like, well, I'm out of here then. I don't want to be here. Now he's going to go to Philly, and, you, and everybody's telling him, ooh, you're going to get a motivated James Harden. Motivated? Dude, it's a contract year. What more motivation do you need? Dude, you're considered one of the best players in the league. What more motivation do you need? Dude, you don't have a chip. What more motivation do you need? Any criticism anyone has of you is from you. It's what you did or didn't do. It's warranted. Like what? I don't understand this guy. And if you look at his numbers, tremendous numbers. Here's one thing I know. Joel Embiid, alpha. James Harden, alpha. How long do you think it's going to be? Before James Harden goes back to doing what he's always done, which is, I want to control the ball. It's about me. And then Joel Embiid says, yo, get me the ball. And then they start button heads. I give it mm, 55 games together before it's like, okay, they don't like each other no more. It's over. Now, you gave up Ben Simmons, and you know how I feel about Ben Simmons. I don't get it. But... In Brooklyn, it's perfect fit because you got Kyrie next to you and you got KD. And they brought over Seth Curry, so you got the three-point shooting. We don't need you to shoot, bro. Play defense. Do what you do well. Play defense. Guard the best the best offensive player on the other team. Great. You don't have to worry about offensive production because we got three other guys on the court that can bring the ball up and control the ball. You don't have to do it all. You could basically become a 3 and D guy. Work on your shot in your own time. And if that comes along, it comes along. If not, just run the break. They don't need, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not the guy they need to depend on. He could be a complimentary piece, which means, hey, take advantage of what he does well. What he doesn't do well doesn't bother you, doesn't affect you. It's not something you need. Perfect fit. He's going to excel there. Right? But why would you why would why do you want James Harden? 
James Harden is one of those guys that's literally like when you look at the numbers, it's like a no-brainer. This guy's great. You just look at the numbers. If I pull up James Harden's stats, even for this year, it's like, what? What? He's having that good of a season statistically? But then when you think about it, it's like, yeah, but what does that equal? They've lost 11 straight games. Now, I know he hasn't been playing all 11 games or whatever, but the team's not like, you know what I mean? James Harden missed some time. That's just what he does. It, it, I don't know, man. James Harden, to me, no-go. Toxic. Don't want to. How, many, when, how long is it going to be before you force your way out of this one? Before you don't get what you wanted. I just think the reputation speaks for itself. I think if you want to be one of those people that think James Harden could play basketball, sure he can. James Harden is a great player. Just, just not a great teammate. Unless he's happy. Like, if he's getting everything he wants and everything's cool, he's great. But eventually, eventually he's going to have his moment and you're going to have to deal with it. And he's going to make things real uncomfortable around there. And he's got a guy in Joel Embiid who ain't with nobody making him uncomfortable. He's the one who shakes the tree. So now you got another guy coming in that's going to try to do that? No, no, no. We're not having that, homie. There's going to be fights. But, hey, good luck, Sixers. Hope it works out for you. Other than that, uh, as far as the NBA trade deadline, um, that was it, man. Pretty uneventful. I mean, there were some other trades, obviously, but nothing that I felt like shook up the world. You know. Um, the Knicks, of course, didn't do anything. And then the Lakers didn't make any moves. And uh, you know what? I I don't feel bad for them. I don't. They are They are exactly what they deserve to be. Westbrook was never a good fit for what they needed. The players they had and what they needed to improve the team didn't need Westbrook. Alex Caruso... That's what you needed. A guy that can come off the bench and provide some offense that was unselfish, that was a little athletic, but played under control. Was willing to fit into a, a system. Willing to play within a role. Accept a role. That's what you needed. You got rid of all of your quality role players. Kyle Kuzma. That's a guy who just shipped off. Like, we don't need you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, no. Like you. And then you brought back older guys. Old guys with injury history who, surprise, surprise, they're starting to get injured. You're hitching your wagon to Anthony Davis, and I still say, Anthony Davis, I would trade him in a heartbeat. Get out of here. I keep imagining what it's going to be like when LeBron leaves. And you know what it's going to be? The Lakers with Anthony Davis are going to turn into the Pelicans, which Anthony Davis is there. He's going to put up his numbers, but ain't nobody else going to be there. And I know they're probably banking on the fact that it's L.A. We can always get stars to come to L.A. And if we have Anthony Davis, that's a good centerpiece. But I don't think people look at Anthony Davis like that. I don't think players in the league look at Anthony Davis as that's a chip magnet. If I'm looking for a championship, I'm going to play for the Lakers and Anthony Davis. I don't think they do that. I don't think they look at LeBron like that anymore. It's like, if I'm a veteran, I'm going to play with LeBron because we got the best chance to win the chip. I don't think they look at him like that anymore. Because of his age, of course, not because of his ability. But I just don't think people look at Anthony Davis as that guy. I think the sports media does. I think the GMs, some of them kind of still fall in love with the fact that he's seven feet tall, but he can handle the ball a little bit and he can step out and guard a guard if he needs to. But not consistently. And no offense, but if you're seven foot like tall... And Seth Curry gets by you and goes for a layup. Like you could still do a, a, you could still block it from behind because you're so damn tall. <laughs> like you got beat on the play. You just ha- you were just physically bigger than him, so you can kind of make up for it. You know what I mean? <sighs> the hate is just. I, I try not to be a hater. Y'all make me this way. The people that the people that come out there and praise, like. <sighs> This is going to transition me right into let, let's get let's get into the Super Bowl, man. Let's spend some time getting into the Super Bowl. Um, first of all, let me just say, let's get it right off the top. I started this program, like I started this show, right? I believe it was the first episode. I was going to go back and pull the audio, but 
it was one of the first episodes. I don't even know if I made a single statement that I could just isolate. But my, I felt like when the Matthew Stafford trade happened, I felt like you were trading an apple, uh, a Macintosh apple for a Honeycrisp. Right? Anyone who knows apples knows that there's different varieties of apples, and Honeycrisp apples are probably the best. Like the sweetest and the crunchiest. They got the best crisp. Look, <laughs> I'm a little hungry, all right? But that's what I'm saying. So you're basically trading an apple for an apple. One is better than the other, sure. But if I want an apple and I gave you a Macintosh apple, you wouldn't be upset that it wasn't, you know, a Honeycrisp. You wouldn't be like, oh, this apple sucks. Blah, throw it away. It would say it's still an apple. That one could be better, but I think I'm still going to get the same satisfaction from both. That was kind of my point, and I felt like Matthew Stafford hadn't done anything up until that point that you make the trade. He hasn't done anything that Jared Goff didn't, and I didn't understand why people felt as if Jared Goff couldn't win a Super Bowl. Now, two things. Number one, Matthew Stafford came in, got to a Super Bowl, and won it. They won the trade. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. Round of applause for you. Right. But now that's just me being no ego, no nothing. I was wrong. The trade was a good trade for them because that's what they wanted. But (laughs) you notice that sometimes I'd be right. And you know what? I think in this case I was right and wrong. I think there was a little bit of right in what I was saying. And there's a lot of wrong. But the little bit of right is Matthew Stafford didn't do anything in these playoffs. that I feel like Jared Goff couldn't have done if he was in the same situation. Oh, that's right. He threw a pass on the last drive against the Buccaneers to a wide-open Cooper Cup. A a pass that you could have underthrown, and he still catches it. You could have overthrown a little bit, and he's still able to make a play on it because he's by himself. Like, it's, it's a throw that I don't think anyone watching says, Matthew Stafford's the only one that can make that throw. I think you could rattle off every single quarterback in the league, except maybe Dak Prescott, would have made that throw. He's wide open. And what you don't realize is, you want to praise him for that, but hey, your team with Matthew Stafford, this god all of a sudden, was up 27-3. to And did nada. Until that drive and then had to make a play and then made one throw to a wide open guy and it's like, whoop, you're forgiven for the fact that you almost blew the game. Hey, against the 49ers, we forget that he almost blew, like he tried to blow the game. Imagine if that, imagine if that safety catches that interception against the, against the 49ers and they just go down and kick a field goal, just a field, not even tether, just a field goal. Do you know how different that game is? And what if they don't win that game? What's the storyline now about Matthew Stafford? And that's what I don't like. Actually, it's not that I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why all of a sudden it was like this big, oh, good for Matthew Stafford. We're rooting. He he deserved it. For what? Because he, he was stuck on a bad team? Hey, I know a guy that was stuck on a bunch of bad teams, gave it everything he had, and only got dookied on. That's right, Tony Romo. <laughs> Take it, take it from take it from an objective Cowboys fan. Tony Romo played with a lot of garbage, right? And 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 he overachieved, and he did way more than expectations, and and got himself into a position where he was being compared to the best quarterbacks in the league, Hall of Famers. Offensive line was always bad. Never had a running game until Demarco Murray, and that was for one season. And look at what happened: MVP candidate and got robbed of the MVP. And then got robbed when he made a throw on fourth down to Des Bryant. And they called a bogus. Oh, he didn't complete the catch. Even though you knew it was a catch. The guy jumped, caught it, landed, took two steps, dove. What? I'm getting sidetracked because I'm starting to get heated. I'm starting to get a little upset because I just don't understand what the love affair with Matthew Stafford is. Then they win the game. And it's like Matthew Stafford is all of a sudden exalted as like the guy. Hey, Logan Singleton, okay, <laughs> calling you out by name. Matthew Stafford's not elite. Uh, oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. 
Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, that's my brother, okay? And he texted me because he's been, we've been arguing about Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff all year. Even though I never said that Matthew Stafford wasn't better than Jared Goff, I just didn't feel like he's going to do anything for this team that Jared Goff couldn't. Because guess what? The team is stacked. You watched the Super Bowl. You think Matthew Stafford played well in that game? Do you not think that Matthew Stafford could have very easily lost that game? And hey, is no one going to acknowledge the third down, third and goal from the eight-yard line, a minute 49 left, you throw a pass. The linebacker for Cincinnati plays the perfect defense. Like literally, if you were trying to teach someone how to play defense against a crosser, if you're, that's exactly what, that's, you, you can't play it better than that. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't push, he didn't grab, he didn't hold, didn't do nothing. Got the left hand hooked around, and as he went to reach, he let go of that left hand. Because I don't want to hook him, I don't want to turn him, I don't want to give the refs any reason to call a penalty here. Reaches around with the right hand, boom, knocks it down from Cooper Cup. Perfect play. Oh, but wait. Defensive holding. What? I couldn't believe, I literally, it took me literally until probably today to get over the fact that they made that call. Because up until that point, there was, what, two penalties called? And one of them was an unsportsmanlike conduct because a guy in street clothes ran onto the field to celebrate? Hey, Dodo Bird, you're not even in, in the uniform, bro. <laughs> you inactive. Get on the sideline. That was one of the two penalties called up until that point. And you call that? Now imagine. Now imagine. Imagine the level of pressure. Fourth and goal from the eight-yard line. You have to score a touchdown. You have to. If you don't, season's over, you lost. That's a lot different pressure. That's way different pressure than first and goal. On a, on a phantom call. I, I li- that game ended, I literally thought the fix was in. I thought the, I thought the league was like, no, 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 no. They made the phone calls because it was three straight penalties. Now, the other two, sure, they were penalties. Fine, I'm, I'm cool with those. But... Come on, dude. Third and goal, the linebacker made the best, probably the best play of his life. Probably the best. Like, it, when they lined up and I didn't see a corner over Cooper Cup, I said, oh, they're going to do a zone. And then I was like, it's going to be on that linebacker. I said, don't, you can't have Cooper Cup matched up against a linebacker. And sure enough, they did. And the linebacker played it perfect and they called the penalty. But if he doesn't do that, that game's different. Now, my problem is Matthew Stafford, they won the game. He gets the credit. He gets the praise. He's now considered to be elite to some, I guess. I don't understand it. People are happy for him. They think he's great. Oh, my God, good for him. But what if what if they lose that game? Is he all of a sudden a bad quarterback? Is he all of a sudden not elite? Do you understand what I'm saying? The same way, like, Joe Burrow came into the game as, like, the it boy, the it guy. Is he no longer the guy? Are you guys not, are you no longer buying into Joe Burrow because they lost the Super Bowl? Like, why Why would your feelings flip-flop that easily? Why Why is your, your conviction so fragile? It's annoying. I believe in Joe Burrow. Believe that I'm in that game. And I'll be honest with you, I think that last throw, I think, I think, I think P. Ryan could have made a play on it. He seemed like he hesitated. I don't know. I, I haven't seen a backside angle to see how close the ball actually was to him, but from the angle they show on TV, it looked like he could have made a play. And had he made that play, it would have been one of the most amazing, like, are you kidding me? It's just destiny type things ever. We all we off the rails, man. Let me get back on the rails. So the argument about Matthew Stafford being elite. Listen, I know this is a side tangent. It has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, but... What do you consider elite? Because for me, elite would be top five in the NFL. If you're a top five quarterback, then you're you're elite. If you're not, you could be very good. Matthew Stafford's a really good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. Let's not pretend like the Rams weren't loaded on both sides. Well, I said in midseason. I said when they got Odell Beckham. I said, listen, they've done everything. They've given you everything you can give a player to be successful. You have now you have to go do it. No excuses. And to his credit, he went and did it. Much love to you. Congratulations. Honestly. Again, like I said before, not mad at Matthew Stafford. Don't dislike Matthew Stafford. Have no problems with him. 
I just think he's really good. I don't think he's great, and I don't think he's elite. Why don't I think he's great or elite? Because you keep telling me that he lost because he was in Detroit. What other quarterback gets a pass for where they play? Isn't the quarterback supposed to elevate everything? Yo, Joe Burrow got drafted to Cincinnati. Second year in the NFL, he's in the Super Bowl. In Cincinnati, a franchise that's arguably just as garbage as the Lions. The Cincinnati Bengals, whose owner is notoriously cheap, who TJ Hushmanzada came on, on on TV and said that they don't even they make you pay for drinks in the vending machine. <laughs> they don't even give you like the Gatorade free. You gotta pay your own money for it. That franchise who doesn't spend any money, who's been bad forever, who Andy Dalton was able to elevate a bit, right? Like, everyone else is like, everyone else will get criticized. And Matthew Stafford got criticized for coming up short, even though it was the Lions. They said, yeah, but if you're a lead, if you're that guy, you got to get your team over the hump. You got to win some games. Cool. All of a sudden, he gets traded to the Rams, and we're going to be like, we're going to like, you know, he was was always elite. He was always great. He was just trapped in Detroit. Like, What? I've never seen, I, this might be the most amazing turnaround from being like, yeah, we don't care about you to you're the darling that I've ever seen. And I know that comes across as hate. And like I said, you guys make me a hater. You make me the hater because y'all go crazy for stuff like this. But anyway, I thought the Super Bowl was good. I thought it was a good game. I really didn't care until 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then I got really, really invested. And I badly wanted the Bengals to pull it off. They made some mistakes. The offensive line fell apart. Listen, man, they held they held up well for as long as they could. It's hard, bro. It is hard. That D-line was legit, and that was the storyline going in. Their defensive line versus the Bengals' offensive line. The offensive line for the Bengals is pretty trash. They played well for most of the game, Right? Uh, I think I think Joe Burrow made a couple mistakes. He wasn't, you know, he struggled at times, like little moments, little spots. But I think it was also tough because, listen, man, that pressure was real. I don't know. I, I still believe in Joe Burrow just as, as much as I did before. I don't think this game says anything negative. Actually, in fact, I looked at it as like, oh, he's... He's coming back for sure. He's going he's gonna to win a Super Bowl. For sure. No doubt. He's winning a Super Bowl. And I just wish he played for the Cowboys. God. Yeah, you know, this was supposed to be a Super Bowl recap. And I haven't recapped anything. I've literally just gone on a rant about Stafford. And so much so that even though I admitted I was wrong, I then followed that up with about 20 minutes of me ranting about how I was kind of right. Let me just say, let me set the record straight. I was wrong. I honestly didn't think the Rams were going to get to a Super Bowl. I didn't think the Rams would win the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford didn't do anything this season or this postseason or the Super Bowl that made me feel like I was wrong about him. I wasn't. That's exactly what I thought Matt Stafford would be able to do. I just didn't think it would be enough. And look, you've got that defense. It was enough. Good for him, man. I'm happy for him. Good for the damn. Now that we got the business out the way. Now that we got the business out the way, let's get into some fun stuff now. Let's get into the fun. I would like to tell you guys... I went through receivers this week. Next week, I'm going to go through uh, defensive linemen. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to split it up into interior linemen and ends. Like, if I'm going to do D tackles and then defensive ends, I might. I don't know. I don't know yet. But I'm going to do defensive line because that's important to me. Because, as you know, I was just hired as the Cowboys GM. So, first, I got a lot of things I got to take care of. And one of those things is we got to upgrade the defensive line. Potentially, we'll get into it in a second. But this week, I, I spent time on the receivers, and there's a lot. There's a lot. 
Um, and all of these guys will be at the Combine. Uh, there's a couple guys that I just don't like. Like, it's just... And it's not that I don't like them, but it's just like a dime a dozen. You know what I mean? Like, every receiver can catch the ball. Every receiver probably has a little bit of wiggle. So it's like, if you don't... you have to, ha- you have, There has to be some pop. You know what I mean? If, I, if I'm watching the guy, they have to pop a little bit and get me excited a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, if you just look like a traditional receiver, I'll take it or leave it. Especially when you're talking about a top ten. So there has to be some special trait. So listen, like I said to you, outside of number one, I didn't even bother trying to rank who's two, three, four, five, six. Now, I have personal preference, but at the same time, it's like once you get through, there's one clear-cut guy who I feel like is just, that's the guy you take. If you're if you're up to pick and you have all the receivers still on the board, there's one guy you clearly take. After that, whoever else you take, there's pros and cons. But they're all they're all pretty pretty good, honestly. I was impressed. So some guys I like, I like uh, John John Mechie Michi Mechie. I've heard it said both ways. I'm gonna go with Mechie. John Mechie from Alabama, six foot one ninety five. I like him. I like him. Not a lot. Not like you got to take that guy. But he's he. I don't know. He's a good player. <laughs> And because he plays in the SEC, because he plays for Alabama, you know he's got toughness. You've seen him go against great competition. You've seen him run inside routes, outside routes. You've seen him do all that stuff. You've seen him do everything you need a receiver to do. He's a good player. I just think there's other guys that I would take over him. A lot of other guys. Kyle Phillips from UCLA. This guy's 5'11", 191. And I like him because he's got position flex because he also plays special teams. He also returns kicks. So he's a guy who you could put in the slot who could be your fourth receiver, but return some kicks and give you some value there. He's got some He's got some speed. He's got some wiggle and tough as nails. I like him. George Pickens out of Georgia, 6'3", 200. I struggle with this guy because I don't know if I like him or I just have to acknowledge the fact that he's 6'3", 200 pounds and is fast. So it's like if, you, if, you, if you're big and fast... I can't ignore you. And again, you played for Georgia. You played in the SEC. So, like, I kind of have to say, all right, if you drafted him, whatever. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. I like that guy, too. Uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. 6'5", 208. Listen, go watch this guy. That's all I'm going to say. Right? Christian Watson from North Dakota State at 6'5", 208. Yo, that's a guy as the Cowboys who might need to get a receiver or two, that's not a bad pick. Now he's gonna be I think he's gonna be available way late in the draft. You'll be able to get him in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, but I think he's gonna be available. Makai Polk from Mississippi State, 6'3, 200. This guy didn't seem 6'3 to me when I was watching when I was watching him. I thought he was small. But 6'3, some of these guy be wrong, but he's good too. Tough guy. Reggie Robertson out of SMU. That's a speed guy. He's, he's good. Velas Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. Almost made it into my top 10. I really like what I saw from that guy. Dejon Dixon from Nichols State. 6'1", 220. That's a sleeper pick. Right? If you're in need of a receiver, that's the guy you might want to pick. And this guy, Don Terry. Don Terry Drummond from Old Miss. I know it's old. Old Miss, not old. Old Miss. This guy. Don Terry Drummond. Don Terry Drummond. Watch this guy. You'll fall in love. This is exactly what you want from a receiver. Tough as nails, quick, fast, good hands. Hands catcher, catches with his hands, reaches out, snatches the ball. That's good. And Danny Gray from SMU uh, is also another guy I like. So those are guys I like. Those aren't even in my top. So my top 10, the 10 guys that I said can't go wrong with any one of these guys. There's one clear cut. My number one clear cut best receiver is Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I know. You think I'm being biased because I'm an Ohio State fan and I watch him play all the time. No, 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 no. This guy is clearly the best receiver. Great hands. Great athletic ability. Great body control. Can high point the ball. Locates the ball well. Tough as nails. Can run after the catch. What else do you want? What else do you want? And he's tough and he's got a little arrogance, a little swag to him. Bang. Drake London out of USC, tall, big guy, 6'5", 210, sure hands. He's just going to catch the ball. He's a little lumbering. He seems like he's a little slow. I, I imagine he's probably going to run in the 4'6 range. 
I would bet he looks like he's like he can get the job done, but he's more he's gonna be a great number two. And he's just gonna be reliable. Just throw him the ball, he's gonna catch it, he runs good routes, he's gonna be available. That's a guy. Um Jalen Naylor from Michigan State. I really, really like this guy. Right? Really like him. Fast, good hands. Showed up in every game. Never seemed like there was a game where he kind of disappeared. Uh, I like that guy a lot. I, I actually think that the Cowboys should draft him. Or I should say I should draft him later in my mock draft. Maybe. We'll see. Chris Olave from Ohio State. Smooth as eggs. They keep saying They always say he's smooth. And it's true. He doesn't look like he's overly fast, but he's just so smooth. All his routes, precise. Catches the ball. Always gets open. If he's in the open field and he's running, he's running by guys, but you're like, he don't even look like he's putting in much effort. He's just a smooth player. Um, Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Like that guy, too. That's another speed guy. Jamison Williams from Alabama. Come on. Former Ohio State guy. Liked him at Ohio State. He left, went to Alabama, proved that he could be a number one, that he could be a key contributor to a squad. He wasn't just a third or fourth receiver. That's just like that, just let you know how good Ohio State's receiving room is, that he felt like he had to leave because he was the odd man out. But he's a good player. Uh, David Bell from Purdue is a guy that I love. Love this guy. Love, 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 love this guy. If I'm someone like uh, like the Raiders, I, I'm considering him with my with my second-round pick. I think he'll be there for you in the second round. Uh, I think I think I wrote this wrong. Uh, Burks out of Arkansas. Uh, I acknowledge that he's big. Uh, he's a 6'3", 225. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. He goes up and gets the ball. He's good with the ball in his hands. I'm a little unsure of the whole comparisons to uh, Debo Samuel. I feel like that's kind of like the trendy thing now. Like, oh, he's going to be that guy. But it's like, not really. Like, it, it, he's got the potential to be, he's got all the physical tools, but he also doesn't separate. Like, when you watch him play, it's always contested catches. Like, he's not really separating. So I, I don't think he runs really good routes. I think he's just a, a physical specimen who wins based off physicality. But when you're in the NFL and you've got guys that are smart and scheme for you, it's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be the same. Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Really like this guy. He's a little smaller, though. 5'11", 184. He's slight, but he's got really good speed. He's got good hands. He's tough as nails, and he's got the right swag. And my last guy, surprisingly, a little guy, 5'9", 169, right? Calvin Austin III from Memphis. I love this guy. I want this guy on my team. I don't know how it'll happen. I don't know where he's going to play, right? Because he's little. 5'9", 169, yeesh. Little guy. But listen, let me tell you something. Excellent. Excellent tape on that guy. Fast. Put the ball in his hand, he's making plays. That's all it is. He's just a playmaker. And that, to me, is unbelievable. I like that guy a lot, Right? So my so my big takeaways, my big ones I want you to pay attention to, okay? I'll take Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Pay attention to that guy. David Bell out of Purdue. Uh, Calvin Austin III from Memphis. And uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. I really like that guy a lot. I feel like I should put him in my top, in my top 10. But he's first name out, right? He's like 11. So no harm in that. But that's my top 10 receivers. Argue with me if you wish, right? There's no right or wrong answers. Listen, after the combine, we'll go revisit this and see if any of my opinions have changed once we get 40 times, verts, once we see them run the drills, see shuttles and all that stuff. Well, then we'll kind of start to make adjustments. Maybe some of these guys that show up good on film test like garbage and make you say, whoa, am I really going to take Drake London if he's running a 4-8? Nah, I don't know philosophical issues (laughs) anyway so now it is time for my official first day as the uh, Dallas Cowboys general manager so for some reason Jerry Jones decided to hire me he told me listen you got full control 
do what you wish. Just get us a Super Bowl. First order of business, we got to figure out what we're doing with Amari Cooper. He's going to count for, I believe, it's $21 million against the cap. Now we can make him a, a post-June 1 cut and save $16 million against the cap. Or we could try to trade him. Well, personally, I'm going to keep him. All right? I'm going to keep him. We're already paying him. He's a solid player. I'm not, I don't, I'm not ready to do anything yet. Let's keep him. What I am going to do is I'm going to ask Tank Lawrence to take a pay cut. Restructure the deal. Hopefully we can get his number down. Uh, I think you could do some stuff with Dak, kind of restructure his contract. Yeah, I know already, but you might be able to restructure it so you can get that number down. Uh, And then we're going to address our issues in the draft, right? So I think now you have Michael Gallup. I have a very low number for Michael Gallup. If he takes it, great. If he doesn't, we'll have to move on. Um, Guys like Cedric Wilson, I'm letting him go. Like, unless you come back for, like, a minimum, like, I got to let you go, bro. Right? But what we need to do is we really need to improve the offensive line. So going into the draft, uh, for those of you who wonder, I'm using ProFootballNetwork.com Mock Draft Simulator. It's a great mock draft simulator because this one is completely free. Like, a lot of them are free, but this one's free, and they then they have trades. So what happens is I pick the Cowboys, seven-round mock draft, go through it, picks start flying off. When it's my turn to come up, I get some trade offers. So sure enough, we're picking that pick 24. Uh, I have two trade offers. Um, so it looks like the Colts are offering me pick 47, pick 82, their second-rounder from next year, and their fourth-rounder from next year to come up to 24. Well, if I'm dropping all the way back to 47... Come on, bro. No, not doing that. So I'm going to reject that trade offer. My next one is from uh, Tennessee Titans. They want to offer me pick 26 and the third rounder from next year. Uh, let me see who's available. Ooh, Akeem Equanu, a tackle from North, North Carolina State. We do need a tackle. Daxton Hill from Michigan, safety is available. Drake London's available. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, tackle's available. Got some good players available here. None of the players that I really wanted. <laughs> if we're being honest, in, my, in, in the first round, I really wanted to get uh, N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from uh, Georgia. That's a guy I would want. Um, Linderbaum, the uh, center from Iowa, is a guy that I would take at 24. So looking at this, I don't see anyone that's like, you got to take them, right? Like, it's, I don't know. There's a, I'm moving back two spots. So you're telling me I can move back two spots and pick up a third rounder next year? I'm going to accept it. Um, I'm going to accept it. All right, so now I'm picking at 26. And the Colts are coming back, and they're still trying. They still want to move up to 26. They're offering me pick 47. Their second and third rounder next year. I'm still saying no. I'm not getting out of the first round. But now this is interesting. I got another one. Kansas City Chiefs are offering me pick 30 and pick 103. So that's moving down four spots. And my third offer is the Steelers are offering me 52 and 84 and their second rounder next year. And they want me to give up pick 26 and pick 201. I'm saying no to that. I'm not moving down to 52. I need a first rounder. But this pick 30 is interesting to me. Because I still have the two tackles on the board, which I need a tackle. But more importantly, I need an interior offensive lineman. So Zion Johnson from Boston College is available. Right? But he's like a second rounder. So if I drop back to 30, I potentially could get that. And a guard is what the Cowboys need more than anything. Right? You need a guard. So either you're going to take a great tackle or you're going to take the best guard. Because you have you have Terrence Steele who could play guard. And you can move Lyle Collins from right tackle 
No, you got you got Terrence Steele who could play tackle, and then you could kick Lyle Collins into guard. Or you could say, let's keep Lyle Collins at tackle, keep Terrence Steele as your swing tackle, right? And then get a, a upgrade at guard. Right? I this is this might be boring for some people, but for me this is fascinating. <laughs> and if you're a Cowboys fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So here's what we're gonna do. Let's speed this up. We can't take all night for this. All right, so I'm going to accept the trade with the Chiefs. I'm going to move back to pick 30, pick up pick 103, and uh, and see what I got. So my, my game plan here is I want to pick up Zion Johnson. That's the game plan. Although Trevon Walker from Georgia, the edge rusher, whew, that's tempting. So in, in this mock draft, you still have, uh, if we're looking at who's available in terms of quarterbacks, you still got Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, Desmond Ritter. Everybody's still available. <laughs> Actually, no. Somebody took Matt Corral. We got Jaquan Brisker available, Trevon Walker available. Uh, oof, man. And Zion Johnson is still sitting there. So I got I got more trade offers. So now I'm thinking. So if the Falcons want pick thirty now, they'll give me forty three and fifty eight. No. The Giants will give me 36 and 67. No, we're going to have to make a pick here. Do we go with the safety, who is Jaquan Brisker, who I watched a little bit of Jaquan Brisker? Love him, right? He's fast, smart, always around the ball, makes plays. Um, Like, that's, that's a guy I wouldn't mind having, Right? But Zion Johnson's still, still so tempting, right? Because we can get the best guard in the draft, and I don't think he's going to be there in the second round when we pick. So what do we do? Right? Like, you got to go with... Well, it starts on the lines. We're taking Zion Johnson at 30. Bang, got it. <laughs> All right, second round, pick 56. We got some trade offers. Chargers want to move up to 56. They're willing to give us pick 79, pick 122, and their third rounder next year. Nah, that's too much of a drop. The Patriots want to give us pick 85 and their second rounder next year, and I don't trust the Patriots. They're too shady. Rejected. <laughs> They're trying to play me. All right, so who's available? So now in the second round, we're looking at Lewis Sign, the safety out of Georgia. Now, the Cowboys, we do need a safety. Hmm. You got Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver out of South Alabama. And listen, I didn't mention him in the receivers that I like. A lot of people like this guy. I wasn't very impressed. Now, we could go, we could go tackle here. We could reach on a receiver. But if I look at the receivers who are available, right? You know, George Pickens is still available. He's he's down. Christian Watson, who I really love, is down. He's ranked at 79 on this. John Mechie is ranked at 85. Justin Ross, who I didn't like. Wendell Robinson, I didn't like. Alec Pierce is lower than that. Khalil Shakir. Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis, is ranked 128 overall. So we're going to have our pick of receivers, so we're going to ah, get rid of that. Now, if we look at defense and we want to look at, let's say we want to look into getting a safety. See, I haven't really looked at safeties yet, so I don't, I'm not really sure who I'm looking at. So let's go with, you know, we're going to make an adjustment on the fly. We're going to make this three-round mock because seven rounds would take too long. I could tell I'm probably boring some people. So what I'm going to do here. Because he's ranked so high, I'm gonna take. Oof, I'm gonna take Lewis Sign, the safety out of Georgia, with this pick. That's what I'm gonna do with this pick as of right now. Listen, we gonna. I'm gonna readjust this at a later date, but that's what I'm taking with my second pick. So my third pick, and we're only gonna do three. We're gonna go three rounds for now till we get later and we start reviewing more, and we know more players. We can make a better assessment. Um, hmm. In the third round, we're kind of wiped out in terms of 
in terms of all that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go receiver here. I think that we have to take a receiver because we need one. Uh, my guy is gone. My guy from North Dakota State, he's gone. He didn't make it. Because I'm assuming that we keep Amari Cooper, we still have CeeDee Lamb, and we have Michael Gallup coming back at some point from his ACL. And even if he doesn't, then I still like CeeDee Lamb being on the outside with Amari Cooper, which means we need to get a guy in the slot. And you know who I'm going after? Calvin Austin III out of Memphis. Now that's dangerous. That's a guy that could take the top off the defense. He can get downfield. He could do well short, intermediate stuff, and then you have an excellent receiving core. And then when you know Gallup does come back, this guy also offers you special teams ability where he can return kicks. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. There it is. That's my three round mock draft. Listen. Very rough around the edges. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking I should probably make that a separate show. From now on, I think the best way to go about it is probably say the mock draft stuff separate. We're going to put that out separate for those who really care about all that. The people who just want to hear sports talk, maybe it doesn't fit in there. But we'll see. Listen, let me know. Reach out to me. Let me know. You know the socials. The John Farris. Um, John Farris. Yeah, The John Farris on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, hit me up, go to the show page, leave a comment. I read those, trust me. I look into all that stuff. Uh, and let me know what you think. If this is something that you want to continue on this main feed, we'll continue to do that as part of the show at the end. If not, we can make it a whole separate show and we can really get into the weeds and really get into all these different players and different scenarios. But uh, that's it for today, man. That's my time. Listen. I just want to thank you all for listening again, for joining me this week. I hope you had a good time. If this is your first time, I hope you come back. If this is not your first time, listen, like, subscribe, share. Give it to your friends. Let everybody know. It's me, baby. I ain't going to lie. I ain't too proud to say I was wrong. Listen, when it comes to Stafford, I was wrong. Comes to my Super Bowl pick, I was wrong. But it's okay. Joey B going to be back. Matter of fact, the Cowboys need to trade Dak Prescott. <laughs> And get Joe Burrow in town, baby. I will say, listen, we're talking about the draft. This is a side note. Talking about the draft, listen, I like Matt Corral a lot more now than I did before. More and more I see him, the more and more I like him. Something about that guy. I know I compared him to to Jimmy Garoppolo and said that's what you're going to get, but I think I'm wrong on that. I think this guy's got got a little something. He's got a little juice in the arm. A little competitive edge I like. Listen, man, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I don't really have any predictions this week. It's the first week football free so it's kind of weird to me i'm kind of unfamiliar i don't really know you know i gotta i gotta get into the swing of nba before i can start making predictions on it so no predictions this week um actually i got a prediction i'll predict that something is going to happen in sports that i'm gonna really be excited to talk about next week listen thank you all for joining me have a good week see you next week